Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Humans of Magic. Holy cow, I can't believe 2017 is on its way to the finish line. I mean, it's already September, and I don't know about you, but I've been busy throughout the year, and it just seemed like yesterday that I was celebrating the new year, and holy smokes, just a lot has happened. So I wanted to share with you some of the stuff that's been happening on my side as well. In particular, I've been working on a book which is directly related to this podcast. I will be releasing the Humans of Magic anthology book of interviews by the end of this calendar year, which means in the next two to three months. It's going to be a really exciting project. There's a collection of the interviews that I've conducted with some of the best magic players out there. And the book format allows you to revisit some of the interviews in text. It allows me to generalize some of the lessons that I've learned from those guys. And it's just an exercise to allow me to also edit the interview content a little bit so that there's greater clarity. I think it's going to be a really awesome project and I hope that you will support it when this thing releases. The best way to learn about the book is to just go to my website, writtenbyjames.com. That's writtenbyjames.com. And just subscribe to the mailing list from there. Once you do that, you'll get the latest updates from me on how the book is doing and even some exclusive content for those of you that are into that kind of stuff. So about this episode, I'm really excited with this one because... I had a chance to have a really deep conversation with Noah Walker. You've probably heard of Noah Walker's name. He's a gold level pro on the magic scene. He's had three Grand Prix top eights and a number of appearances on the Star City Games circuit, including two Legacy Open wins. So he is a pretty high level magic player and he also plays the format that I love the most, which is Legacy. But I think more than that, in this interview, we just go into his mindset and how he approaches the game. And you, you just wouldn't believe that he's 21 years old because he has gone through a lot of growing up and a lot of maturity. Most of all, he's a super thoughtful guy. There are times where he's clearly going through something and thinking through his answers and how to respond to something. But I want you to be the judge. So check it out. Here's my interview with Noah Walker. Hey, Noah. Hey, what's up, James? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Uh, good. How's your day going so far? It's been, it's been really good. I, I'm actually uh, back home. I usually live with, with my girlfriend and her father, but uh, I'm, I'm back at my mom's for the day because uh, tomorrow I'm riding up with some friends to, uh, to EE7 to play some, some Sweet Sweet Legacy. Oh, nice. Where is home for you? Home for me right now is in uh, uh, Framingham, Framingham, Mass. But I'd say like also where I'm at right now, uh, my, my mom's house in Florence, Mass. Also definitely feels like home to me. Are you riding out with a whole bunch of guys to EE? Only two, I think, my car. Just a, a couple of my, of my close buddies that I've, I've known for a while. 
and you have your your deck choices and what you're going to play all figured out as well yeah of course yeah it's it's actually been a while since i've been able to play any paper legacy you know every chance i get i i jam a moto league here or there just because i just love the format it's just so much fun to play but yeah so what deck are you on right now right now i've been playing uh the what the four color control or i guess check pile at as a it, it had been popularized my, my own little little spin on it of course but most mostly stock right now i'm trying out some some wastelands in the main and like a loam in the board for like the mirror and stuff it's been pretty good do you think it's the best deck in legacy right now um i don't know if it's the best deck but i think it's definitely like it's it's up there you know i i, I always think that like the the pillars of legacy are like the best decks you know like lands or like Grixis Delver or like Storm. Like like I feel like those decks will just go back and forth between being the best deck, you know, sneak and show, decks like that. But I think the four color deck's really really good and you have game in a lot of matchups. So Yeah, for sure. It never feels like you're really far behind in any matchup, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's kinda where you want to be. So I, I know that we've been trying to schedule this interview for a while <laughs> and that's my yeah. bad. Uh I I've been sort of you know, I, I said I would try to do something with you, and then it didn't happen. I went on vacation and all that stuff. Uh, but I, I also recall in our Facebook chats, you had been working, like, weekdays at a camp. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so for what? So in, in the, it's mostly just in the summer. Um, this summer I didn't get to work there as much at, as I'd like, but I, I work at the summer camp uh, up in the Berkshires of Mass called, called Row Camp and Conference Center. Um, and I worked there for, for four, four weeks this summer. Uh, like last summer I worked there for like seven weeks or whatever, but it, it just varies depending on how much time I have, like with magic. How many, uh, years in a row have you been working at the camp? You said last year you were there as well, right? Yeah. The, uh, I, I've been working there now for three years, uh, but I've been going there as a camper actually since I was eight years old. So it's just been a big part of my life for, for a bunch of years now. So what exactly do you do there? Because I, when I think of camp, I think of you maybe as a camp counselor. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, basically my, my job at this camp is, uh, for all the years that I've been working there, I've actually been cabin staff, which means that like uh, most of the, the counselors that, that work at the camp, they, they stay uh, you know, kind of in their own quarters. Uh, but when you're cabin staff, you like sleep in the same cabin as like, uh, the campers and and it's really cool you get to, to bond with them a lot but it's mostly just a camp where we uh em- try to empower youth as much as possible and like give them a lot of uh you know choices and and fun stuff to do and kind of like any other summer camp just like games and you know fun, fun stuff <laughs> okay so what do you what do you enjoy most about working there you, you get to really feel like you're you know changing these kids lives to, to some extent uh, especially the age group that I normally work with, it's like 12 to 15 year olds. And I feel like, or, or even slightly older, um, cause the, the counselors in training and, and et cetera, it, you just get to feel like, I don't know, I, I'm at the age where like that was, it feels like, you know, so long ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. So I can still, I can still relate to them pretty well. Um, and, and I feel like you just get, you know, the, the a really good sense of, just like good good feelings from you know, spending so much time helping kids become you know good, good people. For a lot of kids around that age, you said twelve to fifteen. I would imagine yeah. that 
it's a really critical time for them, right? They're just still trying to figure out who they are and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do they feel it's kind of stupid at first to go to camp and then you kind of turn them around? I mean, what's <laughs> yeah, the right, attitude exactly. like, you know? I'm just I'm just wondering. For sure. No, some some kids are really against camp. Uh, they're like, oh, my, my parents sent me here and I hate this. <laughs> Why am I here? But but other kids, you know, they've been coming back for so many years, and they look forward to camp every single year. So they kind of make it a special place for the other campers. And like, you know, it's not like I get paid all that much. Some camps you get more than than others. Like, uh, but this camp, like, it's it's not like our budget is is that high. But it's just really about the the campers for me. You you sort of implied it. There's a particular type of background that people have when they come to this camp. Is it is there like some kind of specialization? Yeah, well, the the camp is a Unitarian Universalist camp, but like a, a lot of the people aren't exactly UU. Um, it, it's just like a a pretty all encompassing camp of like just just really good people. I actually went there on like a a sort of scholarship that my mom got me into because both of my older sisters went there, um, but neither of them, you know, like like followed on and uh, went went back as counselors ever. So it sounds like it's kind of a passion for you, something you really you really enjoy. It's not just about the paycheck. Of course, yeah. I I, I wouldn't do it if uh, if I didn't love doing it because I'm really not getting paid that much for how, <laughs> how much we have to work. So okay, that's awesome. Just the way you you talk about it made me feel that you're really you're really into it. But is there something about the camp that you also don't enjoy so much? Like, what's the toughest part of working there? Yeah, uh, it, it can definitely be tough sometimes, you know, because there's no, uh, there's not really any contact to like the outside world. It's not like we're directly, you know, in the woods or anything. And if I need to, to talk to someone, I could like probably talk to them or like get off. But sometimes it just feels a little overwhelming not being able to contact anyone. But at the same time, like that's one of my favorite parts about the camp. You know, you kind of get to escape to this place where like no one can contact you and you're just focused on like you know having a good time and and impacting people so doing that and, and just the kids sometimes you know it's like so much is happening in in these people's lives and you're like directly influencing it so you, you have to you have to worry sometimes and it just gets just gets difficult but it's a really great place and i love it do you ever worry about how some of them will carry on after they leave camp for the summer yeah for sure for some of them you know it's it's not like all the kids are are really getting you know, the, the message of just like, I don't know, togetherness, like a, a lot of kids just think some of the stuff that you're doing there is like dumb and they're just, they just want to act however they want. <laughs> but, it, but it's not like the camp has all that many rules, you know, we just try to encourage like inclusive behavior of kids and like, like not, you know, being mean, <laughs> mean to each other basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just good values, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but some people are just like, it's just ingrained in them in different ways, so it's, it's just really hard for them. Do you remember what it was like for you when you went through the camp as a as a kid? Yeah, of course. Um, I was actually, I, I don't know, I don't want to put myself down, but I, I wasn't the, the best kid ever, let's just say. Um, I, I, I was often like, uh, I don't know, I, I was competitive in a really bad way. I, I, played, I played a lot of Magic when I was younger, um, and I was pretty good, like not bad. I still did really well on my local PTQs and everything. Uh, never, never had all that much success, but like my attitude towards magic and life and everything was just so much more 
toxic, you know. I, I just didn't really understand, like, I just didn't, I shouldn't understand as much, I guess as much as I do now about, like, uh, like why playing Magic is important to me or, or, or why, you know, winning or good sportsmanship is important, you know, I just, it was, it was all about being in first, being the best. And so you were very competitive since you were very young. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Although the ping pong tournaments at camp thought I was the shit basically, you know, (laughs) if you could look back, I mean, do you know why you were so competitive? Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely had a lot to do with self image. Um, and just like being really self-conscious about what other people thought of me and, and just wanting to, you know, wanting to seem like great, you know, for so long. Yeah. I mean, I think as kids, we all care about our self-image. I mean, I would be lying if I said that I didn't care about that when I was younger or even now to some extent. And I'm much older now. Yeah. Uh, but people kind of express it differently, right? Because sometimes when people care about self-image, maybe they become very invisible, right? Other people, maybe they want to be more visible. It sounds like you're more the second case and you want to show people that you're the best at something. Like, can you remember what was the first time you, maybe even before Magic, that you, you you really wanted to show somebody? Like, tell me a story maybe where you... You really wanted to show someone that you were you were awesome or you're good at something. Uh, huh. Well, before before I even started playing Magic, I actually played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh a little bit competitively, um, but I was never I was never very good. I wasn't like I wasn't bad, and, and I was really young. I was like eight or nine. Um, but but I but I didn't feel like I was ever the best, you know. But I felt like I was pretty good, and like of course, young me was always really cocky and everything I did so so it didn't really matter to me um but I just remember one time specifically playing against like uh just playing against this dude and just playing this OTK deck basically like a one turn kill deck and I just kept beating him like over and over again and it just felt so and he just felt so demoralized and just 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 any game that I'd play when I'd see someone like just think of me as a kid or or an even better example that I can think of uh I don't know I don't I don't play video games all that much but I I really liked playing uh, Soul Calibur 2 for the Xbox. Um, and a couple of my neighbors, back when I was maybe 11 or 12, they, they would invite me over and to just to play with them. But they were all like, you know, high, high school, like college students. We would just play. Um, and it was really fun for me. And I would just beat them like every time. I don't think I lost more than two games of Soul Calibur 2 over at my neighbor's house when I was 12 years old. Do you think you were just naturally talented at fighting games? Yeah, m- maybe that a little. Um, just games in general. I, I just have a really good mind for, for games. I always have had. So it sounds like you enjoyed, I'm not saying you right now, but in the past you enjoyed proving people wrong almost. It's like, you know, like yeah. you don't expect much of this younger kid, right? But, but you somehow, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe let's kind of backtrack a little bit. I would love to know what it was like for you growing up, even before you got into Yu-Gi-Oh! or Soul Calibur. You know, like, ex- sure. describe what it was like growing up at home, your parents, your with your, your sisters, and all that stuff. Just just as sure, whatever yeah. you want to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, um, so I, I grew up mostly with my mom, um, 
though, like when, when I was born and like maybe till I was about six ish, maybe a little younger, um, I did live with my mom and my dad. And it's not like I don't feel like my dad is a part of my life that often, but I mean, just like facts how they are, he just isn't. He, he, he just is such a busy, preoccupied guy that he really can't be. So, so I'd say for the most part, I, I grew up with my mom and, uh, I have two older sisters and an older brother on my mom's side. And even though they're all like technically my half siblings, I, I strongly identify with them as like, you know, that's my family. Um, and on my dad's side, I actually have what a, a lot more siblings, maybe four or five ish. Um, but I haven't really met all of them. You know, I, I know some of their names and I've, I've seen some of them, but like my, my dad's from Jamaica. So it's just really different, uh, the culture that he's come from and the culture that he's used to, just, just how he's been raised. But he, he's always been a really, you know, like like sweet man to me and like always tried so hard uh, for my mom. But uh, he just, I don't know, kind, kind of views things differently. So, so, so it's different when I think about my family on his side than when I think about my family on my mom's side. I see. What, what did your dad or what does your dad do? Um, at the time, I think maybe he was a, a mechanic. Right now, I think he uh, just helps people with, with special needs, like, uh, that need, like, care, like, 24-7 or whatever, uh, and I, I don't actually see him very often, even though I don't live all that far from him, just because most of the time in the week he's always working, and uh, I'm always busy on the weekends playing Magic, so. Right. What about your mom? What is, is she uh, a stay-at-home parent, or what does she do? Um, well, well, all my siblings are older than me, so I'm actually the youngest. Uh, I'm 21. My older sister, Alicia, is 24. My older brother, Jacob, is 28. And I think my oldest sister, Crystal, is 30, I want to say 34, 35. I'm, I'm not even positive at this point. Um, but so so my mom, she uh, she doesn't have to really have to take care of any of the kids anymore, but my, my sister has uh, two two sons, so... She has the, the grandma duties, but, but also for, for work, she is a nanny uh, to these two children, and occasionally she cleans houses. You're closest with your mom, but what about your siblings, like your sisters or brothers? or uh, Which one of these um, siblings are you closest with? Yeah, uh, it's actually weird. My family's really weird. I feel like <laughs> like we're all so preoccupied with things where I feel like I don't even get to talk to most of them anymore. You know, sometimes I'll talk to my brother and I can be really close to my brother because we have a lot of similar interests, but he's just, just so off like doing his own thing a lot of the time where I feel like I don't really get to connect with him and my older sister even more so because she just is so busy with kids and she was just finishing college. Um, but my oldest sister who I'd say like, you know, if I was younger and you asked me this question, I would just immediately say my oldest sister, Crystal, because She's just always been the one that I've had no problems with and always loved me, you know, because we've been so far apart in age where it didn't feel like there was anything like that. So uh, so I guess I'd have to say my oldest sister, Crystal, as far as like, you know, I feel like if I needed to talk to any one of my siblings, I feel like she would always, you know, she'd have my back and I'd be able to talk to her probably the best. But I, they, they all love me, I'm sure. And I, and I love them all. So <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, it's kind of. It's kind of a tough question to ask, you know, who's your favorite sibling or yeah. family member? Because you can be 
just from experience, you can be closer with some of them at certain points in time, and things change over time too, you know, right? For sure. So growing up in your area in Massachusetts, what was it like? I mean, describe the neighborhood and what you did as a kid and all that stuff. Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I'd say most of the time when I was younger, we always lived in like an apartment complex. So so most of my, my interactions with other people were like just other kids in like the park or like, uh, you know, my, my siblings back at home. My, my older brother, who was always like kind of a dick, uh, would convince me that like unintentionally, you know, it's not like he meant to always be mean to me, but I was just such a sensitive kid. And so he'd be like kind of put offish and like, uh, I, I remember one time really distinctly that like, I, uh, I thought that like a shaved onion was an apple and he told me it was an apple and I took like a giant bite out of it and I was just like crying and like <laughs> failing and, <laughs> and my mom came in and basically like scolded my brother. I was like, what are you doing? And like, that was like screaming. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say for the most part growing up, it was just like, you know, me, uh, my older sister, Alicia, um, and then Crystal was off for, for most of it. And my brother was old enough at that point where he was living with, you know, his girlfriend or whatever. Uh, but, but for a time, you know, he, he did live with us, but it was always pretty tough because he was like, at the time he just had a lot of anger issues and like, was just really hot headed. So our interactions were like pretty not good, <laughs> but that's, I was just like an annoying child, so it, it, it makes sense. And and now we get along much better. But uh... yeah, I mean, I'll just share a little bit about myself as well. I mean, you've been talking so much about your family. Uh, my, yeah. My I have one brother, so my only sibling is my is a younger brother. He's three years younger than me, and we had a nice. little bit of that too growing up. You know, like uh, I think we each had eager anger issues, <laughs> and so. Yeah. We would fight a lot, actually. Uh, we were close enough that we would fight. And uh, even though he was younger than me, he was actually kind of stronger in some ways. So uh, and he was also more adventurous. Like he would do stuff like break his arm because he was trying to climb a tree and all that, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because when we were younger, we sort of fought a lot. And then once we became teenagers, we kind of became more distant because we had our own friends and we went to different schools and things like that. And what happened was, now that we're much older, we're actually closer. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. really funny how that works sometimes. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's almost like the sibling that you grew up with is not quite the person that he or she is later, and you're different yeah. as well. So, I, I don't know. It's just just kind of random, but uh, just wanted to share that because I, I feel like I've been asking you a lot of questions about you, and I haven't said anything about myself. You know. No, yeah, for sure. That that's really cool and good to know. But yeah, I definitely feel the same way. Like, even even now, from from when I was younger, I feel much more connected to my siblings, specifically my brother. I'd say because, you know, especially, it must be weird having the having a younger brother dynamic because I've always been the youngest. And even though I've had nephews and stuff, it's like it's just so different. So <laughs> I can't even imagine what it's like having this annoying little kid that is your is your sibling <laughs> and having to deal with them all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. And is your brother a lot more calm now? Is he, like, compared to when back then? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I just think he's, he's much happier with his life and, you know, th- th- things, things are going much better for him. So he, he's, he's much more calm. So what was it like going to school as a maybe elementary school and all that? 
Yeah, um, it, it was kind of tough because for for some reason or another, I always ended up moving a lot. So I, I'd say I went to like maybe four-ish different elementary schools even. Um, just because I would like, I don't know, my, my mom's on, on Section 8 and, and has been since I was younger. Um, just came from a family like that. So uh, it was never the... the like we got evicted or anything from our house, which which does happen to people, and, and it's really sad. But it more would be just like uh, some altercations that my mom would have with like you know some random landlord, or like for some reason or another, I, we just ended up uh, moving a lot. Uh, and I was always pretty good at school to some extent, but like I didn't really care about it. E- even back then, I, it was like it was nothing that like I don't know. School was a really a weird and different thing for me then. Um, I kind of just coasted through it. I, I was always really good at math, but I didn't really care for like anything else. So <laughs> it was it was it was hard for me. Did you feel like school is just something you had to do? Yeah, for sure. Having said that, though, did you develop any close friendships with people? I imagine it might be tough because you're always moving. But I mean, did you do you remember someone from back then that you were really close with? Yeah, l- luckily. Uh, I kind of started off in the in the Amherst area and then ended up back there as well. So I, I have a couple of really really close friends. One specifically, like my best friend back from around third grade, still one of my best friends, uh, Garrison. But uh, I I don't, I don't get to see Gary all that often, but it's definitely still one of my one of my best buds. That's pretty good that you have a best friend from third grade. I mean, it's it's pretty unusual for a lot of people, right? Yeah, for sure. Why do you think you guys are best friends? Uh, I think that we, you know, just from sharing a lot of similar interests, mainly I think what what brought us together was basketball, uh, definitely, because I've always liked sports in general, and, like, I played, like, travel soccer one year randomly. I was never very good, but I played. uh, And... But I've, but I've always just gravitated towards basketball the most. Uh, and Gary was, like, super into basketball. He was always, like, he was, like, the best kid in our school, you know, just always. Um, but he never he never really took it to the next level, even though I think he definitely could have if, if he had, you know, been playing playing more basketball back then. But that's that's what I think really connected us. Um, and then still today, uh, he, he works out a lot. So every time I'm, I'm in the area with him, get to get up and uh, – have a gym session, maybe play some ball afterwards, just hang out. So did you ever play for the your school team and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I never played for my school team because, uh, honestly, I don't even think I was I was good enough. You know, for so many years, I was just this, like, super chubby, like, I was, like, okayly coordinated because I was always really good at DDR when I was younger, but, like, I wasn't really, you know, that athletic until, yeah. like, until maybe when I was, like, 17-ish. And like I started losing a lot of weight and going to the gym a lot more and actually starting to play basketball and I can actually keep up with people, you know, and, and feel like I'm not <laughs> that bad, you know. Definitely don't think I'm that good, but by any means, but I, I can hold my own. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, you mentioned DDR. I mean, that was I, I was I lost so much weight from playing DDR. Dude, yeah. DDR is the truth. <laughs> I know. Obviously, I'm a, a lot older than you, so I was I was already in high school when DDR came out, but, uh, I, I love basketball as well. I mean, what, what, what position do you play? Like how describe to me your game? Like what's your basketball game like? Uh, all right. So I have this, 
idea in my head that I could like maybe have handles at some point ever, even though I'm still like, I'm still a big man as much, as much weight as I've lost since I was younger. You know, I'll always probably be a pretty big, big dude, just like really broad shoulders. And, uh, even though I'm, I'm not all that tall, like five, 10 or whatever. But anyways, uh, most of the time I, I have to play, you know, against the big man on their team, especially when you're just playing pickup fives or whatever, you know, I'm just guarding the big dude on their team. Yeah. So, uh, a lot about that, but also uh, I, I'll like try to play some uh, some point guard, but it's it's not really like you know the the big dude on their team is gonna gonna guard me when I when I'm trying to cross them up and dish out some nice passes to to people on the wing or whatever. So it's, it's not really it's not really like that uh, as I wish it could be. But you know I, I'm definitely working towards uh, having better handles and. I just really haven't been playing basketball all that much recently, as sad as that is, or even watching it. I used to watch so much basketball. Always been a, a Celtics fan, of course. Back in my day, I say, as a child, when like uh, <laughs> when when it was like Pierce and Garnett and the squad, Rondo, when 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 the Celtics were actually very good. Yeah, it's really interesting because you're younger than a lot of folks that. I've talked to you. so when they say back in the day for the Celtics, they're talking about like Havlicek and Bird and Mikhail. Yeah, and for you exactly. it's like it's like the big three, right, or the big four. The big the big three for a while until until Rondo came along. Yeah, so Rondo's your favorite, or was your favorite? Uh, I mean, I I just really liked watching Ray Allen play. I I, I still did like even when he was playing, uh, you know, for for the Heat for a bit. Um, <laughs> do you do you think he sold out? Like I know a lot of people felt betrayed. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you kind of have to do what you have to do when you're that age playing the NBA. Like, what really are you going to do? You know, get the, get the last bang for your buck. It, but definitely to some extent he did. He did sell out. But can you really blame him? I mean, it depends on the goal, right? If he if you're yeah. trying to win the championship or get paid, yeah. then maybe it, it was the right choice. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like for him, that's what it was. But like it definitely would have been, you know, really honorable if he just kept it out in, in Boston then. And toughed it out, but you got to do what you got to do. It's tough these days, man. I mean, I for a long time, I thought that Garnett was going to retire a Timberwolf because he had been there forever. And then for a long time, I thought Pierce was going to retire a Celtic. But it just doesn't yeah. happen that way. You know, it's just the business yeah. of sports. Exactly, exactly. It's it's really sad. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't think they thought it was going to happen like that either, which is, which is the craziest part. It's like... I'm sure they wanted to stay the big three for as long as possible, you know, and and move as a unit because they work together really well. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about present day, I mean, I don't know if you read that that article that Isaiah Thomas wrote on the Players' Tribune. Like he was describing. Oh, no, I didn't. But I saw people talking about it. Yeah, it's really good. Basically, he was saying how devastated he was. Like he thought he would end his career as a Celtic, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it's like people uh, in press conferences, the players always say, oh, yeah, it's a business, you know. But I know deep inside they're they're human. They feel frustrated or whatever, right? Like it's just it's just human, right, to feel you betrayed. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, we've gone so far away from magic now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if we go back to your school days uh, – you found like you you found Yu-Gi-Oh. You start playing that. Uh, yeah. How did you go from that into finding magic for the first time? 
So yeah, it's actually a really funny story. I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at my, my local game store, and I would do pretty well. Most of you know the whatever locals that we'd have, I would just win first, second place, get some Yu-Gi-Oh! packs, start cracking them. And like uh, some people from the Magic crew came up to me and were like, hey, you're pretty good at Yu-Gi-Oh! You should like learn Magic. It's a, it's a sweet game. It's even better. Like uh, Get like packs with your winnings from Yu-Gi-Oh! And, and try to start learning with us. And I was like, mm, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. So, like, I ended up just grabbing some packs. Back back then, what the set that was out was was Ravnica. Uh, was what was what I was getting packs of. <laughs> so, uh, start, started cracking some of those, just like seeing the cool the cool cards, and a- ended up trying to start playing. wasn't very good, um, and then really started liking it. Started pursuing it a lot more. Traveling for PTQs when I was around twelve, uh, and it just all went up from there. Whoa, I mean, that's a, that's a big jump. I mean, you, you just described cracking packs to traveling to PTQs. you gotta, you got to walk me through that a little bit. So, I mean, Ravnica was a set, and you said you were yeah. not very good. Uh, obviously, a lot of us start losing when we start playing Magic, but how did you... How did you learn? Like, how did you get better at it in, in initially? Let's just say maybe the first one to two years of your Magic quote-unquote career i mean how did you get that? sure yeah um i had uh, a good friend of mine jody jody keith uh not not, not jody keith lands master uh, a, a different jody from from my town okay. just has the same name but uh he would just build me different random jank decks to play at fnm uh and i would go like two two or you know some weeks on a good week i'd three one uh with just like complete utter nonsense decks um and I just, you know, kind of started taking a liking to it. And I don't really know when, you know, when it jumped exactly. You know, I, I, I can't think of a, a pivotal moment when I just went from not really playing all that competitively to playing competitively. But but just the way, I don't know, the way I started it out was like, it was like any other game that I that I would play. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was that good, but I felt like I had to keep playing, you know. And I would invest a bunch of money on packs, just crack a bunch of Kamigawa packs and, and hope for the best. Uh, but at that point, it just felt, you know, so, so fun to me and new to me that I didn't really, I didn't really picture a future with it. You know, it was just like a game that I was playing, just like any other game that I'd be playing then. So Jody was the guy that kind of helped you along and built, built decks for you. Yeah, Jody, uh... The, the people I would draft with, Chris, Greg, a, a bunch of, a bunch of just friends. Did you feel like even back then that you had a good grasp of the game, like the fundamentals and how to approach the game? Yeah, I felt okay. Um, so I think I was. I'm trying to think when the like one of the first drafts when I felt like you know maybe these people aren't so much better than me. Maybe I am getting. Like, you know, to be okay. Because, like, I just, like, idolized these magic players who now, like, I would happily, you know, play against every round of, like, an event that I'd play in. No hate on them or anything. Just, like, they, they didn't pursue magic the same way that I have. So it's, it's much different <laughs> for them. Uh, so I'd, I'd say that uh, – wait, so, sorry. I'm, I'm losing track of myself. <laughs> no problem. I'm just wondering, is there – is there something that you felt in the first one to two years of you playing Magic 
like did you feel like you had a good handle on the game maybe you understood the game maybe a little better than other people was did you have any any signs of that or did you ever feel that you know like you know you go 2-2 and then you start going 3-1 and you start going 4-0 right there's kind of a regression so was there something mentally or otherwise that you you sort of felt like did you feel like you have a just kind of this understanding of the game is my question yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say at first, not as much until I really started playing like uh, PTQs and stuff, you know, and playing against players that were just like a lot better than me, you know, and, and I could really reflect on my games and be like, what what really did happen in that game, you know, like, what what, what can I do to get better? Um, and I mostly started out playing just like a lot of limited and just like standard when I could. Um, but but my, my local game store would always have drafts, so like all my fundamentals started out with limited. Um, which is which is why I think it's no surprise that like I just love playing limited now, you know, and it's one of one of my strongest formats for sure. Uh, so, but I felt at the time, you know, that like I was pretty pretty good. I had I had a pretty good grasp on it, especially for my age. But I always just wanted to be better, you know. It, it was never that I felt like oh I'm. Of course, I felt really good because I always, I was just such a cocky little little kid, and I felt I'm like oh I'm, I'm the best, uh, can do anything, but. But really, I was like, I was, I was not bad, you know. I, I had some pretty good, some pretty good theory behind magic, but I just really didn't, I didn't grasp it all, all that well. I probably didn't realize my mistakes as I would now, um, which is what I think is one of the most important parts of the game. Do you think it was Jody or your friends that pushed you to get better, or was it just coming from within? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. So, uh, what's really just like been the way that I function for a long time is that like, if I like something, um, then I'll just pursue it, you know, and, and try to get really good at it. A lot of things I, I'll, I'd like give up on cause I'm not that good at, which just kind of sucks. But if I really just show interest in it, then I'll get really good at it. Like I remember playing ping pong at camp, uh, one year against people and just losing and losing and losing and, and, and not being very good. Uh, and then I just practiced with, with more intent, you know, with the intent to get better, the intent to learn, every time that I'm playing and, and I started getting better. And eventually I was, you know, like one of the, one of the best campers in camp, even beating some counselors, like started being the best, beating the best counselors. And, you know, sort of similar thing happened with me in magic. It was like, at first it was kind of just whatever game to me. And then I was like, wait, I, I like this game a lot. I, I want to get good at this game. And I really started, you know, trying to play against better players and, and, and watching a bunch of videos and, and learning as much as I could. I see. So, was Magic the first game that you started traveling to tournaments for? Or did that happen with Yu-Gi-Oh! or other stuff? I, I actually started traveling to tournaments in Yu-Gi-Oh! I played a couple of like the, you know, the, the regionals, some, some random local events, which were never that big. And I, I never ma- managed to top eight. You needed to top eight for nationals. I like would top 16 them sometimes and, and do not bad, but I never did that well. Um, I, I probably haven't traveled to more than, you know, like 15 Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments in my life. So you've been traveling at quite a young age. Did your mom or your family have any issues with that or it was pretty much fine? Yeah, of course. There there were definitely some issues to some extent. Um, but my mom has always been really rebellious <laughs> her, her whole childhood. So she, she always just tried to not not judge what I wanted to do with my life because because uh, you know that just how just how she grew up 
was she ever worried about you when you were out there? Yeah, of course. Of course, at first, especially, you know, she's worried. She's giving me all this money every week and I'm not really bringing any money back. And it's like, like, where's the money going? You know, I can't do this forever. Because <laughs> my, my family never, never had that much money. So it was like, it was always tough. I see. So did that also have something to play with it, with you wanting to get good results? Did you ever feel like, you know, I spent, I'm spending this money to play in these tournaments. I better see some kind of return. For sure. For sure. You know, it's like just, just, you know, top eighting or cashing a PT, not even getting cash, you know, doing, doing okay. And, and a PTQ is not gonna, not gonna off put how much you're spending to, to buy food at all these places and, and travel to all these places, even just for a day or two, like back in the day when it was, it was, I say back in the day as if it's so long ago. Um, but back, back in the day when I traveled to the, the regular PTQs, when they would have them almost every weekend in mass. Um, and it was just a day event and I would, I wouldn't win them. <laughs> you know, I, I top it a lot. Eventually I ended up winning some as I got older and much better at magic and much more patient with learning and life. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me what was the first big magic victory or tournament success you had and what what exactly was the event and how did you feel as you were going through that? Um yeah, actually, I hadn't day two to single grand prix or cash anything until I want to say 2014. I I think the fir- either December of 2013 or December of 2014. I guess I could look back on my, my MTG ELO or whatever. Uh, but the first GP that I ended up day doing was, uh, GP indie and it was limited. Um, and I actually like went almost nine Oh day one, went eight Oh losing the last round. And then like, uh, had a chance if I had three, three owed my last pod to, to top eight, but I ended up like 12 three. Um, and I top 16 and it was my first GP cash and it felt so good. Um, cause for so long, you know, that's all I'd wanted, you know, to, to be up there and be a competitor with, with all the other people. Did you feel like that tournament was something special as you were going through day one and maybe day two? Yeah, I felt like I knew the format really well. I felt like I had built my decks really well and I just felt like I felt really, I just felt really good. You know, the, the whole time I felt like I, I had to have been wanting something like that to happen to me in magic for so long. And, you know, at, at the time it was very bittersweet. Like, of course the 12, three felt really good and I was ecstatic for my first time, uh, ever doing that well in a grand prix, but I still didn't get my goal of qualifying for the pro tour. And I had just been wanting that for so long. You know, I, I top aided, I'm going to say the numbers, I, I, I kept track cause I lost so many times. Uh, I mean, <laughs> 16, 16 PTQs before I had won any of them. Did you feel like you were you were just on the verge and it, it didn't happen in those kind of tournaments? Like, that you didn't play well for whatever reason? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for those, like, I'd only finals one of them. A lot, a lot of them were like, you know, I would just do so well in the Swiss. My day one record for anything was just so good that I'd immediately get to the top eight and just lose. And I felt like, you know, I was always, I was always a really solid player, but I really took it to the there was just this one, I don't know what happened. I, I guess I took a break or something. I like came back and I won two PTQs in a row. It was like the end of, of cons. Why did you take a break? Were you frustrated or did you have other stuff going on in your life? 
I took a break uh, for, I think it was for camp, actually. A, a lot of times, just because I'll be gone for the whatever, however many weeks, I think then it was just as a camper. So, so three weeks, a three-week break. But for me at the time, it was like I was traveling you know, every weekend or every other weekend. So maybe ended up being a month or a little longer um, of me just, you know, not really grinding Magic, maybe playing occasionally, but just really taking it easy on Magic. Um, just because I, I wanted to, you know, to play as much Magic as possible, but at the same time, it didn't feel feasible. It didn't feel like, you know, a job. I, I, I couldn't really, I never really got there. I felt like one of, you know, the, the really good players that, one of the best players that, you know, I knew or like, you know, from my area, I, I was always like, yeah, I'm, I'm good or whatever, but it, it, it just never got me to the next level. It, it just didn't feel that way. Walk me through what was going on in your mind. I mean, you said you had 15, 16 chances to reach your goal and you didn't quite get there. I mean, was that a dark time for you? Were you frustrated? For sure, I'd say. Like, I just felt like the hard work wasn't paying off, you know? And, and it can feel that way so so much. Magic is a really frustrating game sometimes, you know? It's like you just want... You want to be, you want to be where you want to be, you know. Uh, so, so when you're not there, it's just so tough to to cope. To cope with it, yeah. And did you think about what you needed to do to level up? Like, I, I guess the question is, you could either think that you've done everything that you could, and the cards just didn't fall your way. Or maybe you felt like you had to go back to the drawing table a little bit and try to get better in some other way. I mean, what was it like for you? Yeah, I think that was actually uh, one of the really, really tough parts for me at the time. I, I didn't really realize what exactly I needed to take it to the next level. You know, I was just like really frustrated. Like, you know, why, why can't I do this? I've, I've been trying so hard. I'm getting better, I think. You know, I, I, I realize my mistakes sometimes. You know, I, I just didn't really understand why I, I couldn't get there. And I feel like as my attitude towards that change, you know, just taking every match for what it is at a time, you know, not having giant expectations on, you know, if I lose this one, then I'm out. I, I just just th trying to think about things a little differently. But, but how do you do that? Because it's so hard. I mean, how do you become more relaxed or chill about about that? Because, you know, most people never figure it out. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> it easily one of the toughest parts of magic is is your attitude towards the game, towards towards yourself playing the game, you know, it's, it's like you want to beat yourself up to some extent, uh, so that like, you don't just blame luck every time, you know, so that you can actually grow. It's like some of the best players that I've ever met are constantly saying how bad, you know, they are and how bad they're doing. Like, <laughs> it's really funny. Every time I'm at an event and I, I don't really know Martin user very well, but I know him like by association with some friends. So I'll always ask him how he's doing. Um, and, and he'll, you know, he'll entertain me and, and, and say something back and he'll always be like, oh, I'm X2 or whatever. He'd be like, I'd be XO. <laughs> I'd, I'd, be X, I'd be XO if a good player was playing it. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. But like, it makes sense, you know? You want to be hard on yourself so you can always get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's one of the greatest limited players in the history of the game saying that he's not doing well or he's not, he's doing badly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, you have to beat yourself up to some extent, but like, I'm also wondering, like, as part of this mental growing up and leveling up process that you had, 
did you was it like from talking to people that you got a different perspective was it figuring out yourself like si- sitting down and thinking about it that you sort of realized hey this is how i should approach it i'm just wondering what what was were, were there things or events that unlocked the way you thought about it yeah i think definitely it was a lot of internal stuff uh mostly just because for so long you know i thought i was so good so it just didn't really make sense to me you know it wasn't clicking like it wasn't clicking that i that i wasn't like why I wasn't doing well, really. Um, so I think it, it took a lot of just looking looking at the situations in, in, in different ways and tr- like it's so hard to to do even, um, just lo- looking back on it now because just looking back on every tournament that I play in, it's a it's a struggle to <laughs> to stay, you know, just stay positive about, about the game. Um, even Even when you are doing well, you know, it feels so good, but Magic is a game of so many swings where it's like, I don't know, stuff. I hate to ask this, but did quitting or walking away ever cross your mind? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, uh, spending all this time and money invested in a game where, where you're not really getting anywhere. You know, I could do well at some local whatever K's every once in a while, but at every Grand Prix I played in, I had 6003, or whatever, you know, I was, I was always good the first couple rounds, and then, I, I don't know what it was, I would, I would lose focus, lose track, just start losing, playing poorly. So, of course, uh, quitting would cross my mind, and just like, just like, why would I want to keep playing, you know, but, uh, the game was just so much fun, and the community was just so good. You know, my friends, and that's really what what keeps bringing me back to the game is uh, the people that I get to to be with. You know, on a on a week weekend weekly ba- basis. I mean, who are some of your best friends right now in the world of Magic? Yeah, so I mean, everyone on my team, uh, I'm pretty close with, uh, and and I love them all on on Team Car Order. Uh, but I'd say even outside the team, one, one of my closest friends is Oliver too. Um, just because we've been playing together in Massachusetts for a really long time, we've always been the the super young guys. And you know, he just he broke out in in the scene like last year or the year before and and hit platinum from from nothing basically. So uh, <laughs> it, it it was always something for me to look up to, you know, um, which which sounds so weird because I've always been a couple years older than him, but. Uh, it was it was it was nice to to know that like I still I still had potential you know because I never looked at Oliver as like someone that was crazy crazy better than me just you know just like one of my really good friends so it, it gave me a lot of hope towards what I could do. How long have you guys known each other? Um, well, we've been playing together for a really long time now. I, I don't think we've been that close uh, for that many of the years until recently, you know, when we've both been grinding uh, PTs and, like, before then even, like, every Sunday we would uh, video chat and uh, <laughs> I'd help him with the sealed pool for the PTQ or whatever, or sometimes I'd be playing in it and we, we'd both help each other with, with our pools. But I'd say I really met him... Uh, I'd have to say I was maybe 13 or 14, so seven eight years now okay so you guys go way back because you're in the same community yeah for sure okay uh what's one thing about oliver that people may not know about him huh 
Oliver often needs a lot of help uh, keeping himself his stuff together. Like <laughs> just traveling, <laughs> I, 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 tra- I travel I travel with Oliver a lot. And uh, you mean like being I organized mean, or what? More just like not losing something. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's the most What's the most precious thing that he's lost? I mean, or, or it hasn't happened because you you've been watching out. Yeah, I usually watch out for him, but he he's he's been known to to leave his wallet in the Uber, uh, or you know leave his phone in the Uber, or or leave his phone in a just 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 anywhere. <laughs> but 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 not so much, you know. I, I don't want to I don't want to hit on Oliver like that. It's not like he. He always uh, leaves stuff around, but uh, yeah. So, do you guys are you guys very different personality-wise? Yeah, I'd say we're we're different and we're and we're and we're similar for sure. Uh, we're, we're both really chill, laid-back people. Um, we work really well together. Like I'm teaming up with him and Donald Smith for the uh, the GP in Providence at the end of this month. The team limited GP. Awesome. I'm I'm just asking this stuff because I don't know any I don't know him at all and all I know about you honestly before we talked and about him is just what I've seen or read in the coverage. So sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, but but I mean he sounds like a a good guy. He sounds very humorous on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's basically what all, all Oliver's best known for is his uh his Twitter account. But uh, no, he he he's a really really good guy. He, he has a really good heart. Um, and he really loves the game, you know. It gets really frustrating for him and for everyone at times, but he, he has a lot of love for the game or he wouldn't just be playing it so much. Uh, the reason I'm asking you this stuff is because I'm wondering if you see the same things that he's going through now that maybe you went through a few years ago. Yeah, you know. Um, I think especially for him, uh, ma- Magic is like... It, it's It's even tougher because he... He came in to like playing really competitively and just like didn't lose, you know, for like a year and a half or two. So every time he loses when he's playing, he just gets super down on himself and like it's it's just like super bad because um, like variance variance just didn't hit him as much, you know, those those couple years. So so now when it does, he kind of it's kind of harder on him. But I think at the same time, you know, he does work really hard um, and like. At that specifically, you know, variance not getting you down because it's it's really it's really important to to keep up your game as you keep playing in a tournament. You know, not getting discouraged by a loss or a misplay or anything. Yeah, are there ways that you try to give him advice or give him some encouragement when he does feel like he's not quite getting there? Or yeah, I mean, as much as I can, you know, I'll I'll go up and talk to him and just like try to have some some small talk and, and, and pep talk him back into like, you know, like you're obviously great. Um, you, you can't win every match. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just, it's just hard, you know, ha- having as high expectations as he does for himself and, and not meeting up, up with them sometimes. It's just, it's just really tough when, when you do so well for so long. So when you were kind of rising up as a grinder or a competitor, uh, I guess going back to the times where you, were so close, but you didn't quite get there. Did you feel like you had mentor figures or friends that really helped you through that as well at that time? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, basically, w- one of my friends, like an older brother, is his name's Roberto. Uh, I actually teamed with him for our, a team Grand Prix a long time ago. Uh, one of the first team GPs I'd played in. Uh, he just taught me a lot about how to be, you know? Uh, everyone always thought they knew how best I should live my life, uh, <laughs> of course, as they, as, they, as they do, especially growing up with all these older people when you're a young kid playing this game. Um, but they, they really tried to just to steer me in, in the right direction, um, especially, especially Roberto. Um, but yeah, Roberto, Greg, Greg always teaching me so, so much about drafting um, and like easily one of the reasons why I love Limited so much to this day. Um, just everyone really back, back home. I see. Are you st- so you're still close with those guys today? Yeah, um, I mean, Berto lives a little further now. He's he's out in Connecticut, um, and he's always busy because he has kids. But every every once in a while, especially when I'm in the area, I try to hit my local F and M for a draft or so. We don't have quite the community that we used to have. You know, we would literally have four, at least three drafts a week. Sometimes four. It'd be like a Monday night draft sometimes a Wednesday night draft, and then Friday and Saturday. I see. You've sort of gotten over that hump from a few years ago, and yeah. you've obviously you're a gold-level gold pro now. You're playing yeah. in pro tours. What's it like for you now? I just really want to get inside your, your mind a little bit. Maybe let's start with a simple question. What kind of goals are you working towards right now as a Magic player? Yeah, um, really, I just want to, I just want to be as intentional as I can about magic. You know, I want, I want to play really well. I want to prepare really well. Um, I just know it's so hard to make it right now as a magic pro. And I, and I don't really view it as something I'll be able to do forever. You know, I just want to ride it as long as I possibly can, you know, maybe hopefully get some ties within the, the magic community more. But really, uh, I just want to hope to, to re up gold you know, as many years as I can, maybe get lucky a year or two and hit platinum. Um, just keep playing as much as I can and just, you know, keep growing as much as I can. That's really what's most important to me is I don't want to just keep playing and like, you know, losing and doing mediocre and just like feeling bad about myself. I want to, I want to keep growing, uh, with, with, with the game. That's really interesting what you said about being intentional because you, it's, it sounds like you're not focused so much on, the results, but you're thinking about approaching the game the right way and being at a certain level, like gold or platinum, where you can keep keep the grind going. Uh, is that is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the time, uh, Magic players are too hung up on results and being so results oriented. Because what else do you really have anything to base off of? You know, I like understand it to some extent, and at the same time, uh, for me, what's really important about Magic has always been the process. I've always just wanted to to be going through everything the right way and, and feel like I'm learning the most and, and doing the best that I can be doing. And it, of course, it's always nice to do well and it always feels really good. But uh, if I'm doing well and playing poorly, then I still don't feel great, you know. But but even sometimes when I'm doing poorly and I'm playing great, I feel okay, you know. It's it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that I o three this tournament, but like, you know, I played really well in my rounds and and I'm learning more. So it's it's just. There's a lot of different ways where you can look at magic, and I feel like uh, it's easy to look at it in a really bad way. 
do you feel like you have it mostly figured out in terms of your mental approach to the game? I mean, I don't know if, if you ever really can, but uh, I'm, I'm trying as much as I can uh, to, to really, you know, keep it under wraps. What, what, the thing that bothers me the most sometimes while playing is like, uh, which I hate that it bothers me, you know, it's like if, if someone like makes a misplay that I can like see on board, uh, then I'll just like kind of get, you know, tilted or whatever for a bit. But like, and I have to like tell myself to stop, you know, I try to think of it like every time that happens, uh, your opponent's just giving you more percentage to win whatever given game that you're playing. So like, why be frustrated? Be, you know, like happy. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, interesting. So you're not saying when you make a misplay. You're saying when you see your opponent make a misplay or someone else. Yeah, exactly. Is that because you want to feel like you're both at the top of your game and that he didn't make a mistake and that you still won in spite of that? Exactly. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't want what, you know, my opponent like I don't want my opponent to just beat me and play really poorly, you know, cuz then I won't feel good about their chances in the rest of the tournament or like feel good that I lost them, you know, every time I've lost, like, a really good player, you know, I generally feel fine, people are like, oh, it's fine, I just lost to so-and-so, like, oh, yeah, I lost to Reed last round, it's fine, uh, <laughs> but, but, but every time, you know, you're like, oh, I just lost this dude last round, and let me tell you, they played awfully. Uh-huh. So, you still feel that way, like, if, if someone, if someone who you perceive to be uh, a less better player than you uh, wins, then you do feel tilted? Yeah, I mean, I, I try not to as much as I can, but I, I'd say that's one of the things that, that still to this day tells me tells me the most about Magic, and I'm, I'm really trying to work on it. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't bother me, but I, I'm just trying to view it more as, like, you know, them giving me an opportunity to, to do better in the game as opposed to them throwing away their chances and still beating me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's variance, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so those are kind of your, your goals. I mean, I know you're a content creator as well, so is there something about content creation that really excites you? Are you doing it because it's a way to be in the community and it feels more like an obligation, or do you, do you like it? I'm just trying to understand that a little bit. Yeah, um, actually, this past year, I haven't been, been doing as much content as I'd like to because uh, uh, it's just not... It's not my deal with Card Torture anymore, doing, doing content for them. Maybe in, in the future I'll start doing more content, but I, I have videos up on YouTube that people can feel free to check out, of course. Um, mostly of me playing Grixis Delver in Legacy, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I really do, and I have enjoyed making content. Um, it's really fun to feel like I can share what I think or know that I'm good at you know, with other people, and especially, it, it means a lot to me when I get good feedback. You know, like uh, last year when I was making content more regularly, I'd, I'd have people come up to me at events and be like, "Hey, man, I I read your content and, and it's really good. I've I, I've been picked up Grixis Delver and Legacy, and it's helped me start to learn." You know, it's it's little things like that that really make uh, everything worth it to me. No, that's awesome, and it it's kind of a it's kind of a known thing too that. Being a content creator is one of the ways that you can make a living in Magic, right? Because it's not just about the tournaments. Exactly, yeah. So uh, are there content creators out there that you especially enjoy, like maybe reading or watching their stuff? Yeah. Um, recently, honestly, I haven't been watching or, or reading as much content as I'd like to. But uh, every, every once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll read the set reviews a lot. Um 
And sometimes when people put out something on like a deck that I'm playing, I'll read. But I, I really like Andrea Mangucci's uh, content and articles actually because he's one of the only like I don't know I'd say legacy players out there right now. That's like that's like a big name that's always playing legacy. Um, you know, there, there's these people who, who stream sometimes that are legacy specialists. I'd say, but Andrea makes a lot of content for it, and I, I really love reading stuff like that. Um, I check out any, any any limited masters article, any chance that I get. Um, you know, any standard deck that I'll, I'll be battling with for a weekend, sometimes I'll check out, or like when I'm preparing for a pro tour, that's, that's generally when I'll, when I'll read the most articles is, uh, the week before PT, I'll check out SEG and just hit, hit up some articles of, of what they think a, a good deck would be, you know, cause most of the time it's obviously many cards off of the best list. Cause who would want to give out the best list right before PT, but, uh, it, it's, it's often good to, to get ideas from so yeah unless you're jerry thompson i i, I haven't yeah. talked with him before and he seems super open about just sharing whatever is on his mind like he doesn't even have you know like he's not even thinking about getting an edge i think he's all about being i don't know if you know him but i mean probably maybe you know him better than i do but it, to me it seems like he's all about just being good for the community you know yeah no for sure i i, I don't know jerry all that well I've, I've had some some interactions with him though and uh yeah, definitely. For the most part, he's been a, a, a real nice guy. Um, and definitely seems like he's he's working hard to just be good for the community, which is really important. Yeah. So, are there any players in particular that you really respect and look up to? Uh, yeah. I mean, so for me, the way it's it's always worked is like I I love watching technical players like go to work. You know, that's that's like my, that's my thing. You know, when I see someone make a really cool play. It's like, that's awesome. And it's even better for me when I've met them or talked to them and they're just like really, you know, just kind person in general. It's like, of course, you know, all the, everyone in PGO is always so much fun for me to watch because just having played against some of them and just my interactions with them have all been genuinely really positive and, and they're all really great players. So I love watching them play. Specifically, sorry, I'd say, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not too familiar with that, that team or group. So who are the people? Oh, Peach Garden Oath, right? Yeah, Peach Garden Oath. So, so Reed, Duke, uh, William Jensen, Huey, and uh, Owen Turnwald. I see. Uh, any other guys that you really look up to in terms of their game? Yeah, uh, Lucas Blohan, uh, just a really kind dude. Always been nice, every interaction I've had with him. Uh, and just a really great technical player. Um, Corey B and Brad, of course. Like it's It's crazy watching how much they crush. There's just so many pros that like... You know, I feel like I get to learn so much from when I'm watching them play or playing against them, and and that's what it really is for me. You know, getting getting better and watching these players and yeah. And have you thought about working with them maybe more closely to try and level up your game? Uh, yeah. You know, um, that that's always the goal. You know, working with the the best around so that you can get better. But also, like, uh, I I just love working with people in general. <laughs> um, like my team is is really great, and we have a, a lot of a lot of really solid players actually. Um, but like, it's it's hard sometimes um, to to really feel like we're growing as a team all the time. So like, I don't want to feel like you know I'm trying to to mentor people or teach them all the time. I want I want to be the one you know, that's being taught, like, you know, sometimes it feels like my ideal setup would be like me 
on a team with a bunch of people who are way better than me. So that way I can just learn the most possible as opposed to like when I feel like I'm, I'm teaching people, but in the same respect, both, both things have, uh, have a lot of weight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as a camp counselor or maybe as someone who is one of the better players in your, in your team, like you might selfishly think that, you know, I'm not getting much in return, but it's also rewarding to, to show other people the way, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I also want to ask you, you did mention this, that magic is not going to be there forever, right? You, you have to balance magic with life obligations. I'm just wondering how you, how you do that now and how you see it going forward maybe in the next three to five years. Yeah, I mean, r- right now I'm, uh, I'm mostly just trying to, to, to play magic as much as I can uh, wh- while, you know, possibly picking up another job uh, at just, just anywhere. Uh, really, which which sounds pretty bad because because right now all I've been been doing is playing Magic and and it's not really sustainable you know just just getting sponsorship from card order and and money from winnings uh, but but it's what what I've been what I've, what I've been up to uh, so really for the next next years what I what I see myself doing is I guess looking at ways that I can apply my Magic skills to other things I've never. I've never really felt passionate about doing that many different things. Uh, so, so it's hard for me to really, you know, pinpoint anything that like, you know, if magic all of a sudden, you know, just vanished, like, what, what would you do? It's, it's, it's the next day and, and I've never played magic before, you know, what, what would I be doing with my life? I, I often think about, and you know, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, probably something, you know, in, involving, fitness, you know, maybe a personal trainer, maybe I'd just go to the gym like five days a week and do, do as much as I could. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, there's something about magic for you that it's the grind, it's the community, it's the, the fire, the, the competition. It, it's, it might be hard to find a, a direct replacement for that, I would think. Yeah, exactly. You, you did touch on fitness. I mean, I know you're, you're really, you're really into that, right? It's fitness and basketball from what I've seen in some of the, uh, maybe one of the interviews I saw with, uh, someone from star city. Uh, how do they, how do they impact each other for you? I mean, in terms of fitness and your lifestyle and magic, I mean, those are big parts of your life, right? Like working out and being active. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So like, so let's see. So the past year that I spent maybe playing, uh, Every every other weekend, sometimes two weekends in a row, just grinding GPs all the time, playing PTs. I ended up qualifying for all the pro tours. So so every pro tour, it was so hard for me to maintain uh, fitness. You know, I I was eating out too often. I wasn't going to the gym as much as I'd like to be. I, I was gaining weight. I was feeling bad about myself. You know, it, it, it was really poor. Um, and in the in the past few months, I've been you know getting back to the gym a lot more. Uh, making dinner almost every night with, with my girlfriend and, and it's been, it's been really good and, and it's felt really good. Um, and I, I don't know, it just, I didn't even realize how big of a part fitness was in my life until I kind of stopped, you know, it, it was like, I was chubby for so long from age, you know, 11 to like 16 or 17. And then for, from 17, 18 to 19, I lost a, a ton of weight and just was working out all the time with, 
Gary, my best friend, and playing a lot of basketball. So, so I just I just felt really good about myself, you know. And and then spending so much time just playing playing Magic and, and getting out of shape, it was it was tough. And you know, e- even though I was happy and having good success in Magic, it just still the the underlying self issues, you know. It's tough because a lot of people never find that balance, but it sounds like you have. You kind of had a wake-up call at some some point in terms of how you were physically, right? Yeah, I'm def- I'm definitely uh definitely getting there and, and and starting to starting to to feel feel back in shape, you know. I've been been going to the gym 3-4 days a week, uh get, getting back to running. I used to I used to run a lot uh cuz like I, my friend Gary lived really close to the gym. Uh he actually lived really close to Amherst College, and since he worked there, he could get into their their private gym. So it was actually a really nice place to to be working out, and we would just jog there every day and work out for a couple hours, and it felt really good. Um, right on. So uh, I'm just gonna try to ask you two final uh, random questions that are not related to what I had in the past, and uh, is that okay with you? Sounds good. Okay. So. What is one thing that you would tell yourself five years ago? If you could go back in time five years, what would you tell the younger sixteen-year-old uh, Noah Walker? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and a big one. Uh, I'd probably tell him, uh, you know, keep working hard at what you what you want to do when you what you love, uh, try, try to be a, a good person. You know, that, that's what I think is most important. Like, uh, so many matches that I have against people, uh, and afterwards them telling me, you know, that they, they genuinely had a good experience playing against me just makes me feel like fantastic. You know, a match, whether or not I won, I just, I want to have fun with someone, you know, that's that we're playing a game and, and, and I want, I want that, I want that great experience for everyone. So, so I'd probably just like, you know, just tell myself, to, to value things differently. Cause especially then I'd say when I was 16, I still had a really toxic mindset when it came to magic. You know, all I thought about was how to win or like not even how to win, like that I want to win, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I'd, I would just tell myself to really reconsider what I thought was important and, and to, to value, you know, growing with people and, getting being the best me I could possibly be. My final question to you is what would you tell a kid or someone younger than you that wanted to get into magic for the first time? Maybe he started playing casually, he or she started playing casually and is now thinking about playing in tournaments and becoming more of a grinder, being more competitive. What kind of advice would you give that person? Yeah, I would I would tell them to just play as much as they could at a, as high a level as they could, and and not to just play, but to to think about what was happening in their games, you know, because it's so easy to just go on autopilot and play a bunch of games of Magic and not really learn anything and just blame everything on oh I got so unlucky, got mana screwed every game. But the way you really want to look at Magic is what can I be doing every single turn to. To, you know, to optimize everything the the best, and instead of just worrying about the whole outlook and just thinking about winning, because you never really win a game of Magic. You know, you you win a game on every turn that you're playing. So, so you you just really have to you really have to take things things slowly. Um, 
and, and not get discouraged and just try to learn. Great advice, man. So Noah, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I know this is probably not the kind of magic strategy talk that you, <laughs> you might've expected. I really appreciated you coming on here and, uh, and sharing with us some of your background. And I hope it was uh, an enjoyable experience for you. No, yeah, dude, this was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's it's great to, you know, because there's so much more to magic than just the game. And I, I don't think people realize that all that often. So it's, it's really good to touch up on. I hope you can follow your own advice, which is just take it one game at a time and, and you know, have the right intentions, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. All right. Take it easy. Yeah, you too.